Well, I am rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So Marshall has a crush. It's adorable. Isn't it? I think I have a crush on that kid. I know uh, it's not no. quite legal, but... Oh, the actor's over 18, I'm sure. Yeah, so there we go. Marshall's storyline, I... It's weird. Like, I think I... I I think that I said last week that I kind of forgot that he was kind of already out of the closet when the show started. Well, he's kind of he isn't, but at the same time he's he he's Marshall is gay. I mean this the series will ultimately make it very clear that Marshall is gay, but it's already made it clear. Yeah, all of his family kind of knows, but Marshall's not really ready to admit this to himself yet. And so I think it's interesting how everybody acts around him because everybody is more, you know, Tara especially, but seems to be just waiting for him to admit it so he can be comfortable so that they don't have this, you know, thing that they all know but they can't really deal with or talk about, you know, but... Well, I I kind of agree with you and kind of disagree with you because, I mean, there are things like in the next episode, Inspiration, um, where, you know, Tara is basically saying to him... If he doesn't like you, then he's not worth it. And you're, you know, well, it's like, see, I, I read, mean, I read, there's a little more to read into that conversation. Um, and especially with the, and I think it's justified in the way that he thanks her at the end of the episode hours later in the show, frankly. Um, cause I, I guess this is one of those, the first two episodes kind of seem like halves of each other. And these two are very intricately linked, especially, uh, through the story of this woman, Tiffany. Um, yeah. There is this kind of two episode arc, but um, I, I guess I do kind of want to jump around. Um, and I think that's fine. I mean, honestly, yeah. I'm, I'm finding, you know, this is the second episode that we've done on this show. And, you know, honestly, the show is very serialized. So I think it's probably yeah. going to be, we're, we're just going to be jumping around a lot. Great. Um, well, what she says, uh, he's making all of these excuses about, you know, he, he gets this bee sting and so his face is all swollen. And her saying, you know, if you like this guy, you know, it's not going to matter. And that's not only her giving just normal advice that any mother would give to her teen, you know. You have a crush on someone. If they really like you, you know, they're going to accept you for who you are, which is – but it's also her acknowledging that, look, I know you have a crush on a guy and that's okay. Yeah. You know, just – but you can tell me – it hasn't got it's gone on unsaid at this point. Marshall has not told anybody I I like this guy. He's just not denied it. My Marshall has never come out as gay. He's just not denied it to this point. Well, and I think that I mean honestly, I think that that part of our our issue with this, well, not really issue, but you know, cuz I hate gay people. Um <laughs> is that Marshall is, you know, this this first season it was from 2011. Uh, Marshall's supposed to be, I think, 15 years old or something yeah. like that. Um, the closet doesn't exist sometimes anymore. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that's, you know, our experiences were very different growing up in the 90s uh, and the 80s. I think that, you know, Marshall is not in the closet because the closet doesn't exist really for him. And, you know, his, his family is very supportive. His family is very young, too. Yeah, they're, they're very they're young. They're in their yeah. mid-30s at this point at, at most because uh, – what is it? She had Kate when she was a teenager yeah. as well, right? Yeah, 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 she did. Yeah, she had her, I think, when she was 19 or something. Yeah. So, yeah, they had their kids very young. You know, I think that that Marshall is only supposed to be like a year, maybe two years younger than Kate. Mm-hmm. So they also came very close together. And, you know, I think that, I mean, Marshall's an interesting character in his own right, but I think he's also interesting for 
you know what what the show is doing to establish this family as very different from what you might expect a family living in Kansas to be like. Yeah. And and also that it, it's nice because the show is establishing the entire family as very loving, very supportive of everybody. Not not just Marshall, well, not just Tara, but you know, but Kate and, and her problems well, and, what and I, Max and you know one of the scenes I really love in this is when uh they find out that he's doing this Hell House play and, you know, immediately Kate's teasing him. Oh, he's just doing this because, you know, he likes this guy and everybody else starts mocking the religious aspect of it and the fact that it's this over the top, you know. Every, nobody is making fun of the fact that Marshall is, has a crush on a guy specifically no. in this situation. I mean, obviously, she's making fun of her little brother because he likes somebody. You know, it's that kind of tease. I mean, she's which, being pretty crude, but but you know, but she says something about like he wants cock. At the same time, you know, she would probably say that about her sister if you know she were you know. That's and also, who, let's be clear, he does. Yeah. So. And that's who Kate is. Kate is a, can has a lot of moments of crudeness in yeah, her. Yeah. She enjoys her own ability to shock people. Is well, that I mean, yeah, I agree with you, and I think that you know maybe the final thing to say about about Marshall specifically and his family's kind of reaction to him is that uh, you know in a very real way they are treating Marshall the same as they would treat a straight kid. Yes. Like the, the straight kid is not like, I like girls. You know, they're just like, yeah, you, you're gay. Like, it's fine. Like, we don't need to have a conversation about it. They, now, whether or not Marshall needs to come to terms with it is something that we will find out later because, of course, when his family does talk to him in a very straightforward way like this, treating him the same as they would anybody else, uh, he doesn't say anything. Well, part of it is they know Marshall very well. I mean, this is a family who who understands each other, who does love each other, and who are, various problems aside, very insightful of each other. Sure. And so they know that, you know, Marshall doesn't need to come out to inform them, but they want Marshall to come out to him because that's an acknowledgement that he's kind of accepted himself, that he's not feeling a conflict because of course we we said that you know this this particular family is much more open-minded but they are still in kansas now yeah i do seem to remember this this the world in this show is a little more gay friendly than maybe you know than new jersey was for me at the you know at the turn of the millennium but uh at the same time i i i don't know it, it, it's i think there is a lot of degree to which the other characters in the family don't want Marshall to have any angst over his sexuality because they don't feel it's something worth having angst about and they know he does have some angst. Yeah. And they want to just make sure that, listen, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I mean, you know, we'll we'll see where that goes. I mean, I remember Marshall having some sort of conversation about it with his father yeah. at some point and his father's basically like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, it, it, so it is a very no, it is a very interesting but it's what I do like is that so Marshall it, Marshall is in a transparent closet, but that's not mocked. There are a lot of you know, that that character of the character who is gay and everybody knows it but he doesn't seem to is a stock comedic figure. And this is this is a version of that character though that's played very seriously and very tenderly. 
Yeah, I would agree with that because I think that 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 you're right. That is a very stock character in a lot of in a lot of uh, media. And you know, I, I think of a show like The Middle, for example, which is is I watched it for the first like three seasons. That was the show with um, I forget their names, but it, you know, just one of those ABC sitcom things that was kind of good and kind of not good. And you know, I, I got my fill of it. But they did have a character uh, 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 that was a friend of one of the kids that was obviously gay, but it was treated as a joke. Like he didn't know he was gay. He had a girlfriend and it's like, or, okay, you know, okay, I get it. This is a sitcomedy 30 on ABC, but still it's 2014 or whatever. Like, I, let's move on from this. One of the reasons I find that as I've, you know, as the years have gone on, Arrested Development has aged extraordinarily cruelly and poorly for me is, uh, they do that. You know, that's one of the underpinnings of Tobias's character. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's extremely, it's, I mean, in, in, in general, the rest of development is a very mean spirited and nasty show. I yes. would say, um, and maybe we should do that just to rip a hole in that show because mm. I, <laughs> I don't think I can do that, but well, let's, I mean, let's, let's move aside from this and let's talk about Tara then because it, it, Tara, this is, I think these are an important two episodes work and inspiration for number one, because, for the most for the most part of work, Tara's not in it. And then for most of inspiration, I don't think there are any alters in inspiration. Are there in the second episode? I don't remember there being any. And so, you know, you, it starts out with Alice. You know, she's waking Max up with the whipped cream. Max is obviously <laughs> very uncomfortable with this. Um, and then, of course, the episode. The, the, you know, the entire thing about work is like they're trying to get their sex life back. And it doesn't yeah. really work out. And they have kind of a conversation about this in the next episode. And... And 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 I think that's one of the reasons, number one, that I like the show, but that the episodes do seem to work so serialized because events will happen, and then the next episode will be about the ramifications about that, you know. And the, I think I think this is the first show that we've talked about that that really has been this serialized. I mean, certainly it's not serialized to the same degree uh, or the same philosophy as something like Game of Thrones, which basically is just like a pile of shit happens, and there's no episodic structure to it whatsoever yeah uh there certainly is an episodic structure to this show and you know it does have a defined beginning middle and end but at the same time things are not necessarily resolved uh and and the passage of time is is much more um pronounced i think than it would be in another type of show yeah and i mean while i can certainly point out which events happen in what order i don't have exactly in my head a boundary between where the two episodes are Yes. Like, you know, that one conversation, the conversation about the Hell House in the morning that we just mentioned, I don't remember which episode that comes from. It doesn't really matter. I believe that was the second episode. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, it's 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 an event that happened anyway. So I think that, well, I mean, one of the interesting things is that, you know, so Alice is in the first episode in, in, in work and she is there for a little while. Then she goes away. Um, you know, because Tara has this new relationship with this woman, Tiffany, that, you know, it's kind of revealed in this episode. I think they kind of mentioned it in the pilot, what Tara does for a living. And essentially what Tara does for a living is she's an artist and she takes commissions and, you know, does murals and does things like that. So Charmaine, her sister has her go to this, frankly, horrible woman's condo and, uh, you know, do, do a mural for her. And, you know, it's kind of revealed in these two episodes that uh, I, I think that a lot of what I like about about the show is how it does really treat Tara seriously as a mm. character and her condition seriously. Because 
she does, it's kind of revealed like she doesn't really have any friends. Yeah. I think it would be tough for someone to be her friend. And I think that's Either what, she's, that's what, that's what especially the second episode is about. Mm. Either she has difficulty because of her episodes where she's unable to be a friend to a person or frankly, the women that she meets in the mall. in I think the second episode, yeah. um, you know, make it clear that it's hard to be friends with somebody who's pitying you. Yeah. And I, as you say, Tiffany is horrible, and I think Tara recognizes that Tiffany is horrible, and this friendship has this really sad dimension to it because Tara is becoming really invested in this friendship not because she likes or respects Tiffany, but— Well, she's latching onto Tiffany because she essentially has no one else. Well, because, this, yeah, this is somebody who is actually being friends with her. It doesn't matter how odious she kind of is. You know, this is somebody who's actually— at first saying all of the right things to her. And to, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to overstate exactly how odious Tiffany is. I mean, I think she's fine. Well, she's just know, a little lame. Well, she's a little <laughs> lame and she's very subtly racist in a very, yes. I mean, number one, she says something about brown. She babies. wants this, uh, this mural. I think it's Guatemala with a few brown babies. And then later there's that, there's also that bit when she says that, Oh yeah, when I'm going down on Roger, I pretend I'm Nichelle, which you know. Oh yeah. Based on Nichelle Nichols, makes me suggest you know, it, in order to give a blowjob to her boyfriend, she has to pretend to be a black woman. That's horrible. Right. And, right. I mean, I I love the woman who plays the role. She's amazing at it. But, yeah, she looked very familiar. I couldn't place yeah, her. Yeah, I I looked her up, and you know, she's done this kind of a part, but nothing I'd seen her in. But you've probably, um, yeah, probably. Yeah, and I mean. Well, what I think really is is key to this, though, is that you know it does it does really speak to the fact that Tara is very um, hungry and very needy for yeah. some sort of you know friendship, frankly, and 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 female friendship specifically, because you know you know full disclosure, I don't like Charmaine, and I don't no. th- I don't think you're supposed to necessarily. Um, I can understand that Charmaine is a very complex character, and you will kind of get we the show does kind of get more into Charmaine as it goes on, but. It's- yeah, like, I think there is a very, this, the show definitely, again, it res, it's one of those shows that respects and likes all of its characters, even when they're doing horrible things, because they're usually doing out of loneliness or a weird, broken, fucked up in Right. I think there there is a degree to which Charmaine is simply just a little bit of a fuck up. Her job is selling Herbalife, basically. She's not exactly doing well in her career, in her love life, in, in in anything. And you get the sense she's the kind of a person who, if she had a big sister who could be the responsible one to, you know, do things, Charmaine would be a little better. Because yeah. She, you know, but Charmaine's had to be the responsible one, which is something I don't think she's just able She's to, not very good at. Yeah. And so, you know, that that just kind of... A lot of the resentment towards Tara seems to come from that place, and it's a— Well, yeah, I mean, here's my question for you, though, and this is something that that is kind of unresolved for me, and I don't remember if the show ever really goes into it, but, you know, Charmaine has said multiple times in the episodes that we've covered so far that essentially she thinks Tara is making this up. Yeah. And, you know, Charmaine grew up with Tara. She knows that she has a lot of experience with Tara transitioning into the alternate personalities— 
And, you know, there's that, I think key to this is the scene where Charmaine, Tiffany, and Tara are having, um, frankly, what looks like a horrible time uh, drinking wine. And, you know, Tiffany has some sort of drinking problem. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) And and also she says something horrible about, I want to meet one, bring one out. And Tara's like, well, I'm not a... Yeah, no, but I mean... yeah, that 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 because it doesn't, you know. That, I think that's really what it comes down to is like everyone thinks that Tara is is kind of a, a, a show or something. And yeah, what what is nice is that I think the show is kind of using the characters of Charmaine and, and Tara or Charmaine and Tiffany and like the women in the mall as examples of people that Tara doesn't necessarily find valuable or supportive to have in her life, and contrasting that with her family, which yeah gets it, understands it, gets tired of it, honestly, but. It still knows that Tara is not doing this out of malice. Tara really doesn't have any control over this. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is an illness. See, there were a couple of the, when I first saw that Tiffany is oddly enough one of the reasons I fell in love with the show when I first watched it because there is there's a few conversations that she has in these episodes, and specifically that one line. Well, think about how many women we you know we have to be. When I was first heard the premise of the show, I thought that was going to be the theme of it, and that's kind of a stupid theme to use, disassociative identity disorder, to comment on the fact that, you know, women have to have a lot of different roles right. in your life. You know, we have to be a mother and a sister and a daughter and, and a friend, and, uh, and you know, I'm going to just go into these characters to show the different roles that I have to – and by having Tiffany say that line in the midst of, and, you know, maybe this isn't real and all of that – makes it very clear that the show itself thinks it's a stupid premise. It's trying yes. to do something a lot more serious about with Yes. Um, yeah, no, I would agree with that. I think you're right and that's actually I think that's actually a really astute point because I think that is what a lot of people thought the show was going to be. Yeah. You know, and and This isn't just, you know, uh, 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 again, uh Tony Collette's going to do some hilarious impressions, you know, the entire time. Um well, we will have to talk at some point about about how fantastic a job she really does with this. Because, but. you know, and, and and let's be very clear, Tara herself is in a way Tony Collette doing an impression because the woman is Australian. Yes, that is so, true. You know, that is true, too. It, it, it's really, intri- you know, uh, again, she's a – this is why she's a really good actress, but um, – yeah, yeah. She's not here. You don't have to whisper. No, no, no. Just, I'm underlining the point. Yeah, I get it. Well, I think that, and again, I think that's why that scene is so key to these two episodes because, you know, Charmaine is kind of saying, oh, well, it happened after Tara got raped or whatever. She's, well, she doesn't say raped. She says she had sex with a guy she didn't want to. Oh, right. Yeah, like she not only. Which, you know, is rape. I mean, well, you know, depending on circumstances. Well, Charmaine seems to be of the opinion that, you know, there is – you're out with a guy and he's pressuring you and, you know, you have sex with him even though you don't want to because just end the night early. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and then, you know, somebody hitting you and put – you know, and all of the – Right, you know, right. Um, as Whoopi Goldberg unfortunately said on The View, the difference between – I think rape rape was what she is in, you know, response to Roman Polanski. That's the point of view, Charmaine. Or Bill Cosby. Well, that's the point of view that uh, Charmaine is coming from and she she feels that even if – so, so one of the – this show's construction of disassociative identity disorder is a big – I'm not 100 percent sure how exactly accurate this is to what degree it's a metaphor and all of that. I would assume it's very 
at least as seriously done as you know as Diablo Cody could. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially given that a lot of the you know oh it's really called this is a you know DID instead of MPD those kind of a things there is a degree to which the show wishes to dispel certain myths. Yeah. Um, and one of the I, I'm not sure how much the show believes in this, but certainly the therapist who is working with her at this point. Her construction of Tara's mental illness is that there was some kind of incident or series of incidents which Tara created this uh, – created is a kind of a loaded term. But this disorder arose out of an event or a series of events uh, to protect Tara from some kind of a trauma. And as she says now, certain triggers will, you know, cause – Cause Tara to go into a very panic state, and one of the altars emerges in order to kind of solve the problem. Yes, um, and certainly we can even see at the end when one of Tara's altars has supposedly broken into this house and written "What die yuppie bitch" on there. You know, that's da, die yuppie cunt. Die yuppie cunt. Which okay. there, there, which is even worse. There though. are uh, there are several moments in this show, w- or the way that uh, when Tiffany says, "Well, I was molested," in a way that you know only a woman could have written this show and had it be shocking in the way that it is. Like, I was molested as one of the great lines of the show. I yeah, think, because I mean, like, it it is so abrupt. It comes out of nowhere. It is obviously Tiffany trying to one up the entire situation, making the situation about making her. the situation about her. And uh, later on, I isn't there a point where she's trying to get Tara to say something, and she repeats, "I was molested." You know, very, yeah. very specifically, like yeah. I'm giving you currency. You owe me. Yeah. Uh, I guess she's horrible. I love how horrible she is. But. Well, I mean, I want to. I'm glad you mentioned Tara's um, therapist because this is the yeah. first time that we see her, and I, I find uh, uh, her very interesting for for a variety of reasons. I think that you know it makes sense, of course, that Tara would be in therapy, yes. to, to talk about these things. But the thing that I think is more interesting about it is that uh, uh, the therapist says at one point that she has never met any of Tara's alters. Yes. Now you could take that a variety of ways. I kind of take that as, you know, Tara is not being triggered in therapy. That's I, I think that yeah, I, I I think that's it. And the 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 therapist doesn't say in a I would love to talk to one of them kind of a way. Like she says it, you know, fairly neutral and uh you know, she she doesn't seem to think it's a problem that she isn't. Um I think she's just making clear that if an altar showed up she would mm-hmm. have a therapy session with that altar. Right, um, exactly. But yeah. So I wonder, though, like, because one of the things that's kind of um, left ambiguous at the end of Inspiration, especially, is what exactly happened. Because, you know, there's that horrible thing written on the mural and Tiffany is upset and obviously Tara and Tiffany are no longer going to be friends. Uh, And I I don't know that we ever figured that out. Well, there is. Well, I do know that there. Here, 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 here. I, I. I, there are two specific points I could point out if you want me to be Mr. Foreshadowing here. Sure. So number one – I think I know what they are, but okay. Yeah. So number one, when Alice is in the bathroom and she sees the word gimme written on the – Yep. Uh, and wipes it off. So that that's a sign of something else. Yep. Um, as is at the very end of – is it work when Alice is praying and she's saying, you know, God bless Marshall and yes. Max, you know, God bless – Buck and God bless T. I think God... it's actually the beginning of the next episode, but anyway. anyway. No, no, it was the end of the one. 
No, it wasn't because the end the end of work was um, Max coming home and thinking he's going to have uh, sexy times with his wife, mm-hmm. and Buck is sitting there. Yeah, and the two of them are talking, and then it flashes to Alice, like, and as, no. as, as a flash. I very seemed that was that was a credit sequence. I seem to remember that. Nope. Okay, well, we can watch this again. We'll, we'll go back and watch it because we need to know this for sure. <laughs> anyway, she says, you know, God bless Buck and God bless T and God bless, and she stops for a second. That's another moment that we're going to be learning about. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so these three incidents are adding up to something. Yes. Yeah. And there, I mean, there obviously is like a larger, you know, so, there is a larger structure to this. I mean, the entire season is only 12 episodes. So there is kind of, you know, kind of a, 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 a narrative arc to this. Each as well. of the three seasons have a bit of an arc to them. Yeah. It's yeah. not a long, extraordinary plot thing, but yeah. it, it definitely. Well, because is. to a large degree, you know, what, where this show comes in is. Tara deciding to go off of her DID medication and yeah this is this is a good place for the show to start of course because there's a lot of dramatic stuff going on because she's trying to essentially figure out yeah why she needs these altars what what they're doing for her you know and I'm not we're not very uh you know we're not uh, qualified at all to talk about psychology or anything like that so I don't necessarily want well, to do that but you know I, I do know that going off of one's it's interesting because going off of one's medication is a very floated phrase and a lot of – I think it's very interesting that this is being done with the – very openly with support of the therapist and her family. Yeah. Usually when in a show someone goes off their medication, they're doing it in secretly and that's very bad. Right. Um, that is actually one of the things that I like most about the show is that – uh, really, I mean, there are secrets, of course, because everybody has secrets. But for the most part, you know, it's kind of the same reason why I like Friday Night Lights, for example, because the relationship between Max and Tara and the relationship between Coach and Mrs. Coach in that <laughs> show um, yeah. are, are both – they both seem like real relationships. You know, they have – real problems that real people in relationships have or at least i assume because i'm not straight um, and it seems horrible i'm sorry (laughs) but it is one of those things where it's like these are people that are having having real problems not manufactured problems that real people don't have well what i you know going back to tiffany again and she is i guess such a straw i i had I remembered her as being much more of a part of the first season that she's only in two episodes i i again i think maybe Shows how strong of an impression she leaves, but I mean, she might be back. I don't know. I don't. No, I. I. Well, looking through IMDb, she was only in the two episodes. Nice spoilers. Sorry to spoiler. Um. Anyway, uh, uh, um, when Tara's talking about how we've been, you know, they've she's had trouble connecting. They haven't been having sex, and Tiffany. But Tiffany says that. Well, that's any relationship, you know. Show me a couple that you know both people work, and you know they're. They have kids where they have sex more than once a week. I mean, there is a degree to which Tiffany is able to normalize certain of Tara's issues. Well, that and that comes about in in work, right? The first episode of this two episode pairing, and that's really to establish Tiffany as okay. This is why Tara would like. Yeah, her. I mean, there is a degree to which Tara likes her because Tiffany is the person that is going to hang out with her, and Tara needs friends. But but you know, at the same time, she is say you know while she, it turns out she when she's actually dealing with the the some some dangerousness from one of Tara's alters, and it's not fun anymore for her. But before that moment. You know, she's saying there's no judgment here. You know, there's no... Which, frankly, I don't want to discount 
Tiffany's reaction no, to that I, either. I think, that is that is scary. Yeah, no. I, sh- t- Tara, Tara did break into the house and did, you know, def- you did vandalize her wall, and you know that's all she did. But Tiffany doesn't know. It's right, true. Right. You know, and let's face it, Tara doesn't even really know if an altar is capable of something dangerous. Yeah, she doesn't know. Well, let's um let's talk about we've talked a lot about Tara and Tiffany. Let, let's talk a little bit about uh, Kate and her story in these okay. two episodes because Gene uh, is also awful. I know, and again, wonderful at being awful. That I, I his whole nine eleven monologue. I had my my mouth was fucking open the entire time. That was that was horrible. Yeah. Yeah, and I will I will say that you know so Diablo Cody wrote work and and Alexa I think her name is Alexa Payne I wrote it down uh, yeah Alexa Jung I don't know how to pronounce it but Jung Jung um, wrote wrote the fourth episode and that's the first episode that Diablo Cody did not write yeah um, so I believe that Diablo Cody did write the nine eleven bit yeah I think that I mean that was so perfect because it really. Was she wrote gr- the, sorry she wrote the 911 bit the I was molested line and there was another line in that episode that was like really like oh my god like somebody said that <laughs> but I love the 911 bit because it is one of those indications it's very very good shorthand for this guy is not great yeah and I have to, and it's masterfully done because first of all he's using his experience in 9-11 to get to impress Kate. And then at the end, she finds out he didn't even have a 9-11 experience. And even worse, I mean, he, he, he it would even be when she said, oh, did, did anybody get hurt? Because at least that would be like some yeah. reason this would be a trauma. I mean, Kate is somebody who has dealt with actual traumas in her life. And there is no way that this guy has. Has that. Yeah. It's it's exactly what it is. I mean, you know, not, not to get, not to get too personal. I won't talk about this very long, but you know, one of the things that I think why it resonates with me so much is that, you know, I was in Manhattan on nine 11. I don't talk about it with people. This is a story I have never heard. Yeah. I don't, (laughs) I don't talk. I don't talk about, I have a rule that I do not talk about it with anybody who was not there on nine 11, which I have to say was part of, you know, and that was going through my mind when I saw this, that, that scene. Cause I'm like this fucking piece of shit. Like, yeah. And I wasn't, you know, I was nowhere near ground zero. I, you know, I, you know, I knew, knew no one that died or was injured. Like, you know, it was nothing like that, but yeah, this guy is using this story as a way to basically try to impress who he thinks is a stupid teenager. I mean, it's, 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 it dovetails very nicely with, I was molested. It's it's, it's the same story basically being used for the same purpose. And and it's horrible in both cases. Um, And also it's interesting too, because I, I like the fact that, you know, Gene is obviously horrible. Gene is obviously creepy. Yeah. And he is obviously trying to get into Kate's pants. And this is obviously something he – this is what he this does. This is what he does. The way the hostess greets, you know, says to Kate, it's very – frankly, you know, it's probably clear that she was a previous Kate at some point. Sure. And that every young girl who's been hired by Gene is going to be his girlfriend. But what I like about this too is that, it, you know – Kate is obviously not stupid. No. Kate is not falling for this, but at the same time, she kind of is. Well... Because she's a, she's 16. I think Kate is... Kate is very savvy. Kate knows 
Kate will get impressed by things like samurai knots for a little bit, you know, and, and she can, again, she's 16. She can be, you know, act like a dumb 16 year old right. at times. But I think she's number one. I don't know how real she thinks the situation is yet. I think she might just be feel like, well, what's the what the worst that I can happen is I never I, I leave and I never go to Barney B's again. And, you know, what the fuck's going to happen? Whatever. Um. She's trying to, you know, she realized that she she gets Gene's number very quickly. Yeah. And I think what she's trying to do is use him as much as possible. Sure. She, you know, obviously, you know, when he's like, well, you know what you're thinking of? Junior management. And she immediately asks her raise, like, you know, that, that stuff. She she doesn't know how much power she has in this situation. I, I, I don't think she quite has learned that yet. But she's also... She's learning how to test how much power she has. Yeah, yeah. And I also think that, you know, I mean, this is something that I think is very um, different between Kate and Marshall, of course, because uh, Kate is very sure of herself. Kate is not naive, right? And I think Marshall is not sure of himself at all. He's not naive as well, but they are contrasted very differently because they're just, they have very different personalities. And, you know, imagine Marshall in the situation Kate's in or imagine Kate in the situation Marshall's in in these two episodes. And they'd be very, very different. Kate would, number one, take over the entire Hell House, I'm fairly sure. But, yeah, you know, and Marshall would be utterly lost (laughs) from this. (laughs) And I think Kate also, to a large degree, I don't know. You know, it's it's one of those things that's hard to say. But but what I always think about is, you know, is Kate really treating these as real people because she's so used to dealing with the altars all the time as well. Like, is well, there, is there yeah. a part of her that's kind of like, well, you know, I mean, these aren't real people that, well, like, to a degree. I mean, after she's dealt with Buck, Alice and T, what can Jean do? That is true. <laughs> you know? And she knows, she also knows that she, you know, her father and brother have her back as do frankly, whatever altar is, is around at the time, you know, even if it is Alice, Alice is going to, you know, yeah. Can you imagine Alice and Jean? Together? Yeah. No, Al, Al, you know, Alice with her insight, Buck and Jean would beat the shit out of him and T would just assault him. Yeah, pretty much. T, T doesn't appear in these no. episodes but her presence is very significant. The one thing that I uh, found very interesting was the revelation that when they were first dating, uh, Tara decided that, you know, it was okay if Marshall had sex with the Alders. And so he and T had a sexual relationship, as he, which was kinky when he was 19. But as he, right. as he got older, it started to be more and more disturbing, and especially now that... His daughter is T's age. Like, that is it. Yeah. It makes that line from the pilot where T says, oh, I hate you for not fucking me. It suddenly puts it in a very different context because she's not – that's – you know, we thought of that as T being T, but this is her ex-boyfriend in her mind. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. Like I said, all of the characters have a very – the alters even. They're, they're forces of chaos, but they all have a very poignant – poignantness to them they they are affected as much by the fact that they don't have control of the this tara's body as tara is Um, yeah yeah he can't have you know an actual teenage life uh buck does you know buck is very lonely he has a huge porn collection he thinks his dick was shot off in nam and he can't really you know have a relationship and alice obviously wants to have 
a family and a husband and a baby. Yeah. I mean, we didn't really talk about the fact that Alice wants a baby. And as Patton Oswald's character points out, you know, it's it's going to be if if she were to be pregnant, it would be a real baby. It's not going to be, you know, go away and with her. Right. And I think I mean, of course, Max knows that. Yeah. But at the same do it. But but at the same time, it also does make a, 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 a one of the. The show doesn't mean to say that the Alters and Tara are dangerous in the sense that, you know, people think of a raving crazy lunatic who's going to attack them. That That's not yes. the... Yeah. But there is a danger there in the fact that these are goals that don't align, that Alice, you know, perhaps would, you know, Alice would want to and be capable of consenting to a baby, but Tara is perhaps not looking to have one at this point so the, the, this is not a decision that one of them you know this is a, a situation where one of them what would want to make a decision that is against tara's wishes yeah or that frankly tara is making a decision to not have a baby that's against alice's wishes too yeah you have all of the you know that really where the chaos comes in is that tara is has these altars that no one is in sync well, no one's in sync, but also the fact that, I mean, Tara has a lot of, uh, you know, unresolved feelings and a lot of sadness surrounding the fact that, you know, she doesn't know where she goes when yeah. the altars come yeah. out. And they're, they're, you know, she's missing out on a lot. The, the, her family is missing out on a lot of Tara time. But also, you know, the show does not, the show also talks about and does not discount the very real emotions that the alters are having yeah. about the fact that they are also gone most of the time. As far as the show's concerned, uh, Alice is a real person, as is Buck, as is T. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the show insists upon the reality of the disease and the reality of the alters and uh, very much wants us to have a flag up whenever a character discounts it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's a good place to leave this episode. Well, there's a lot we could talk about with these. Well, if you have any thoughts on either one of the episodes we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash show if you enjoy our podcasts, as well as checking out our other podcast, Trek About. Our social media username, you can find us there on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is Tuning In Show. And of course, please leave us a positive iTunes review for Tuning In. It is the best way for new people to find the show. Next week, we are talking about the episodes Revolution and Transition. Mac, why do you...